Uh, we've been, funnily enough, starting most of our services talking about the beginning of the world. And if you've noticed, there's been a general trend. I believe that God is really trying to say something to us. And this sermon is in the same vein. And so we, we will travel backwards again into creation where the Bible says that in the beginning there was void, there was darkness and the spirit of God was hovering over that darkness and then God spoke and he said let there be light and there was light and then he began a process day after day of shaping the world as we know it. On the sixth day as we've discussed so uh, previously he then creates the crown of his creation human beings. And what's fascinating is as soon as he created Adam, he puts him in the garden and he gives him a job to do. And we find the, the narrative of this story in Genesis 2 verse 15 to 16. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to cultivate it and to tend it. The Lord God commanded the man saying, from any tree of the garden you may freely eat. Now, before we get into it, here's, here's something very fascinating. We think that God gave Adam one command, don't touch or eat from the tree, but he actually gave him two commands. And here's the first command. The first command gives you an idea of God's heart. The first command is do what you like within these parameters. You can eat whatever you like from any of these trees. This gives you a clue of the heart and the disposition of God that he was giving them permission. His commandments and laws are not always prohibitive. They are permissive. You can eat from any fruit. I did a quick study. We have over 2,000 different types of fruit on the planet Earth. And each fruit, some of them have their own family members. Uh, you know, if you like apples, there's granny, 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 you know, there's granny Smith apples, there's envy apples, there's golden delicious apples, there's so many. So I want you to imagine he's in this garden and there's thousands upon thousands of options from fruit that he can eat, uh, guavas and peaches and bananas and all sorts of things. And all, he, and, you know, God's first thing was do whatever you like with these. Isn't it human nature, church? That we, we take our eyes off the many things that God says we can do and we can have and we focus on the one thing that we, we, we can't touch. Uh, isn't this like what children do when you, when, you, when you bake something and it's still smelling fresh and you tell them, hey listen, don't touch this. They ignore all the toys, they ignore outside the trees, the, the, they ignore everything and they focus on the one thing that you say you can't touch. This is human nature, this is what we're like. And so you have to examine yourself and examine your heart. Are there things that God is saying, I don't want you to touch this that I've got my eye on. But this isn't where the story is fascinating. It's fascinating because when God gives him the prohibitive command, I don't want you to eat from this particular tree. He says something very fascinating with that command. And if you go to the next verse, uh, it says, But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for on the day... You eat from that tree, you shall certainly die on the day. So, we know the story. We're not going to go into it. We know that Adam, after he saw his wife Eve eat the fruit, he then partook of it. There's a lot of uh, Jewish uh, historians uh, that have embellished the story. It's not in the Bible, so it's only speculative that Adam felt sorry for his wife, that she had violated God's command. And so in solidarity with his wife, and because his heart broke for his wife, he also broke the command. Uh, there's all these, but we don't know why he did it, but, but we don't know if they ate it on a Tuesday or on a Thursday, or on a Friday, but, but God says, on the day, 
So if, it was, if I ate on a Tuesday, I'm supposed to die on the Tuesday. If I ate on a Thursday, I'm supposed to die on the Thursday. God says, on the day that you eat from the fruit, you will certainly die. This will certainly happen. This isn't just some, some, some me just throwing out some words, but we know that Adam ended up living for another 930 years. He died when he was 930. So there must have been something in Adam or something in us when we read this text. So did God get it wrong? Did, did God look at this situation and, and he was just warning them and trying to put the fear of himself into Adam, but he was just exaggerating. Uh, how many parents here have told your children before, if you do this, I will throw you out the window. I will, I will do this and I'll do that. And you know very well you're not going to do any of those threats. You're just trying to put the fear of, of, of the situation in your child. And so this is, is this what God was doing? What we do understand is this. Man was created to live forever. On the day that he ate the fruit, he certainly did die. But we didn't see the fruits of that death until 930 years later. The process started. If he ate on a Tuesday, the process started on a Tuesday. If he ate on a Thursday, the process started on a... The minute he ate that fruit, the minute he was chewing it, death started in, him, in, in his body. You know, the Hebrew actually says it like this, in dying you shall surely die. I, I don't know why the English translation says you shall surely die, but, but the, the original language, if you look it up, it says, in dying you shall surely die. So God wasn't making things up. He wasn't exaggerating. He said, the minute you do this, there's a process that's going to start. You're not going to be able to see it until it plays out. In, in death you shall surely die. Think about this with me for a moment. This is a dynamic all over the word of God and it's operating in our lives today. I want to give you a few examples. Think about the prodigal son. Everyone here knows the story of the prodigal son. He's, he's at his worst now. He's, he's at the last uh, uh, place that before he goes back to his father's house and he's, he's feeding pigs. And as a Jewish boy, you don't feed pigs. Uh, and so he, he's doing the most shameful thing a, a young Jewish boy could do. And the Bible tells us that he's looking at the food that the pigs are eating and he wishes that he could eat that food. I don't know if you've ever seen the food that pigs eat. It, it's actually called slop. S-L-O-P. It's just a, a mishmash of horror. And this man was so hungry, so destitute, he wanted to eat what the pigs were eating. Now, if he's uh, uh, Samson, because, uh, uh, you know, uh, godly people don't have iPhones. If he was, if he's Samson rang off, <laughs> if he's Samson rang that moment and his friends asked him, what are you doing with your life? And he explained the situation. You would ask the same question I would. How did you end up here? How did you end up feeding pigs and wanting to eat what pigs are eating? How did this happen? Do you know what this young man would probably say? It all started when I ran out of money. It all started when my friends turned their back on me and he's trying to make all, all these excuses and reasons. But we know the true story that his condition started not when he ran out of money, but the day that he said, I want to leave my father's house. As soon as he made that decision, he had settled his fate. All of that was just playing out. The minute he stepped out, he stepped out of his blessing. He stepped out of what God had for him. He stepped out of the protection God had for him. He stepped out of all the goodness that God had for him in his father's house. There was a future in his father's house. There was grace. There was going to be, oh, he's going to learn some things. He was going to develop as a man, develop as, uh, his character. But the minute he said, I'm, I've had enough here. 
I want my inheritance. I want he was he sealed his fate. Now it didn't show until we, we don't know if it was months or years down the line. Think about um, uh, uh, Samson for a moment with me. Same thing with him. Think about uh, 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 who else? Judas. Judas's choice to take his own life did not start when they started beating on Jesus and he regretted his decision. Judas's choice to take his own life started when he was dipping his hands in the offering. We know that's how, that's how this whole thing started. He was stealing money from the offering. And the, what that led down to is one time uh, this lady uh, gives an extravagant gift and, and he's like, no, 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 we should take the, this oil, sell it and give the money to the poor. But the Bible tells us he wasn't concerned about the poor. He was just, uh, you know, he was just greedy. But Jesus said, leave her alone. And that conversation said, yeah, you know, I've had enough of this Jesus. I'm going to go and sell him out. The fact that he took his own life did not start because the Pharisees refused to change their minds. It was not the Pharisees' fault. What led him to taking his own life was a decision he made. And as soon as he made that decision, his path was set out. On this very day, God says, you shall die. I want to talk about Saul. Because from his story, we'll learn quite a lot and then we'll pray together. God sends Saul on a mission. For those who don't know the story, Saul was the very first king of Israel. Now, the way God had set it up, Israel had no king. God himself was the king of Israel, and he just appointed what you call judges to, to kind of help him co-lead uh, 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 the place. And so one day, the children of Israel rose up and said, we want to be just like the nations around us. Be very careful when you want to be just like the people around you, just to uh, do what they do, uh, just to follow any wind and any, any, any trend that's happening. Be very careful. God says, you know what, if you want a king, fine, I want to step back you can have a king and they chose Saul they chose Saul because he was tall and good looking and he stood out and Saul did a really good job he was filled with God's spirit uh, he, and initially he did a good job one day God speaks to Saul through Samuel and says Samuel I, I, I tell Saul I want you I want him to destroy the Amalekites they did some madness back in the day when my children were coming out of Egypt these are wicked people utterly destroy that nation Saul said okay I'll do it he goes in and he utterly destroys the nation. But the Bible says he kept the most precious things to himself. He was, the Bible literally says he was unwilling. Let's look at this text. Uh, uh, the Bible says, Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the best of the oxen, the best of the fatlings and the lambs, and all that was good, and they were unwilling. This wasn't a mistake. They knew exactly what they needed to do. They just didn't want to do it. They were unwilling. But everything despised and worthless, they utterly destroyed. Again, this isn't part of the sermon, but this is just something to take home with. Be very careful when you only are willing to obey God as, as far as you agree. I, I will do whatever God says as long as I agree with it, but, but I'll keep the rest to myself. I agree that we should destroy everything that is worthless and despised but i don't agree that we should get rid of all the best sheep and the best calf and the best fatlings and so they violated god's command and one time uh, the, the bible then says that samuel is, is minding his own business god speaks to him and says i regret having made saul king 
I relent on it. I, I shouldn't have done it. Uh, you know, God laments and Saul is heartbroken because he, he uh, Samuel is heartbroken because he likes Saul. So he goes and he finds him and Saul sees Samuel from a distance and runs to him and says, oh, praise God. We have done everything that God wants us to do. And, and Samuel says, so what's this bleating of the sheep that I hear? And, and then Saul said, whoa, 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 hey, hold on a minute. And he looks around because everyone's watching now. The crowds are gathering. He's a king. He's insecure. He doesn't want, hey, listen, Samuel, I did everything that God wanted me to do. It's the people. They kept all the best things. And so, so Samuel said, no, 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 no. Uh, you haven't done what God has told you to do, but I have. And then they go back and forth. And this is where this famous portion of scripture comes. God desires obedience over sacrifice. And they have this discourse back and forth. And I want you to listen to what Samuel says in the next verse. If you go to the next one. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. He now acknowledging it. I have transgressed the commandment of the, Lord, uh, your, uh, uh, of the Lord and your words because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now, therefore, pardon my sin and return with me that I may worship the Lord. In other words, I want to keep face. But Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, uh, uh, and the Lord has rejected you from being king of Israel. And Samuel turned around to go away. Saul seized the edge of his robe, and it tore. So Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you. When? You're no longer the king from today. And he has given it to a neighbor of yours. We know that's David, who is better than you. How many people know God knows how to make it hurt? <laughs> or it wasn't even God speaking, really, it was Samuel. Samuel just kind of eh, twist and said, He's better than you. Now, I want you to think about this. Samuel is communicating something he's hearing from God. He says, From today, you are no longer king. But as you read the Bible, you understand that he's a king for at least another 15 years. God's commandment or God's uh, judgment upon uh, um, uh, King Saul was final. It happened, but it took a while before it played out. It took a while before we saw it manifest. We know down, years down the line, he's fighting a war. He's scared. Him and his son, Jonathan, end up getting killed. And from there, we see David taking over the throne. But how come it took years? If God has rejected you today, how come you're still on the throne today? I don't know why God gave him so much space, maybe to give him a chance to repent, which he never did. Maybe to, to, to try and organize something, to put something within David so that when David grows up, he'll be ready to be a king. We have no idea, but we do know something. God used the same language. On the day that you will eat this, you will surely die. Today, you're no longer king, but it takes a while before it manifests into reality. This is where the title of the sermon comes from, The Death of a Rose. Uh, we said this, I think, a, a, a few weeks ago. If you pluck a rose from the ground, it's dead immediately. Ah, oh, but it still smells good. It still looks good. You can still pin it on your thing and, 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 and go to a wedding or, or, or give it to someone you love as a gift. It still looks good, but it's dead immediately. It's just that the effects of the death is not going to show up until later on. Petals are going to fall off. The, the petals are going to shrivel. The, the color is going to change. Things are going to, 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 to no longer be the same. Why? Because the rose is dead. This is the reality of your life and my life. We have to ask ourselves the question. This is why we have to examine ourselves. Is there anything in our lives that still looks alive, but is dead? It still looks alive, but it's dying. 
This is something we have to ask ourselves because it's only a matter of time and it's a scary thought. Think about this. You and I can still function in the gifts. We can still enjoy God's blessing over our lives all the while we're losing them. The marriage didn't die when the divorce papers were signed. That was just the manifestation of it. That's just what was happening, coming to fruition. It died years back or months back when there was no communication anymore, when intimacy wasn't happening anymore, when there was issues and it wasn't resolved. It was years before the divorce paper were actually signed. It, it was, it's just a, a manifestation, it's the death of a rose. The relationship that you have with your cousin, your friend, your co-worker, or whatever relationship you have, didn't die the day that you had a massive blowout and a great big argument, slamming doors. It didn't die then. It died months before when someone said, have you heard what so-and-so said? You didn't verify the details, you didn't know, but the Bible says that gossip is like a morsel. It's delicious, it's tasty, but it goes down to the innermost part of us and you are festering, wondering, do they really say that? Why would they say that? And all of a sudden it builds up to this thing. The, the, the argument was not the death of the relationship. It's the words that you listen to. Your health didn't die when you were rushed to the hospital. It died months back when you weren't watching what you were eating. You know, my, uh, I had a, a checkup recently. I, I hate needles, absolutely despise needles. Uh, if, you, if you're a nurse and, you, and I have to come in to you, for, to take, uh, you're going to be laughing by the time you're done because I, I'm looking away, I'm trying to talk, I'm trying to, I don't like it. And they, they took, uh, I don't know, maybe uh, uh, over, the, over a short period of time, I had to go back and forth maybe four or five times. It was horrible. I told Effie, I'm never giving blood again, ever. And for all those who give blood to charities and stuff like that, just, just, just bear with me. Anyway, so I'm going off on a tangent. And so they rang me up and they said, uh, um, uh, you are borderline diabetic. Everyone who knows me knows I love hair. <laughs> Salted caramel, rum flavored Haagen-Dazs, £3.99 at Sainsbury's near my house on sale right now. Anyway, so when I heard that, I said, you know what, I'm going to have to cut back. The majority of the sugar that I take is actually at work during uh, my lunch break and so you have your little sandwich your your, your drink and then and then and then you, you bless yourself afterwards and, and so i had to cut down and so uh, after they had a few more tests they came back and said oh, we don't know what's happened but it's it's it, you're, you're no longer borderline you had to change it you have to so, so think about your health think about the food that you take think about the exercise you do or don't do because your health does not did not die the day you were rushed to hospital it died years back with the decisions that you were making your finances didn't die when prices went up. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone's feeling it. The prices of, of everything has gone up. Petrol's gone up. I was driving around uh, two week, uh, three, four weeks ago. It was 141 per gallon. And I was like, yeah, that's, 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 a, that's, that's grace right there. Uh, FEO will only go to two petrol stations because the rest of them are demonic. These two have the right prices. One day we woke up and it went from 141 to 161. Petrol prices have gone up, but gas and electricity has gone up, but all sorts of madness, it's all gone up. And so, oh no, you know, the reason why I'm struggling financially is because of the economy. It's because of Boris, it's because of Putin, it's because, of, and we say all of these things, but no, 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 the, your, your finances died years back when you refused to start budgeting. 
It, it, it died when, when, when you were a spendthrift. You just spend, 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 spend. You're not thinking about anything. You're not making any plans. You're not making any investment. That's when it died because during the rainy times, if you're building on the rock, you'll be able to stand and withhold during those rainy times. Uh, my, even my own brother uh, lost his job and he stayed in the house and said, how did you fund that? He said, my savings. Here's a man, even though he's not saved, he had enough wisdom to say, you know what, with the little I have, I'm going to put some aside because rainy days are coming. Your relationship with your children didn't die when they turned to teenagers and just said, I'm, I'm out of the house now. Disappearing days on end, like, like what I used to do. I'll just leave the house on a, on a Thursday, come back Tuesday, and my mom's like, where, where were you? I'm like, don't, 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 don't worry about it. The relationship with our children died when we were more focused on our phones and on speaking with them. They'd come home. Dad, 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 mom, 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 mom. Here, just, just, just one moment. That's when it died. Them acting out when they're 17, 18, 19, 20 is just the, 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 the symptoms now of what happened years ago coming to fruition. It's the death of a rose. It looks good. It smells good. It's still functioning. But the reality is it's no longer in place. Can I encourage you? You didn't get fired because your boss is racist. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We're, we're going everywhere today. I'm going into your house, right into your living room. I'm going to rearrange the furniture. God, God wants to speak to us today. You didn't get fired because your boss is racist. It started the whole process of you saying, you know, this, thank you very much. I grab your... That started when you were chronically late. Not coming to work on time, using your company time to send Christian messages to people, <laughs> running off into the toilet to update your WhatsApp statuses. Jesus loves you. I just want to let you guys know, listen, you're at work. You're getting paid to be where you are, to do what you're supposed to do. Leave that stuff for the appropriate time. That's when it happened. God wants to tell us about the dynamic of the death of a rose, you didn't lose your purity because you were seduced. Oh, the devil's a liar. He sent Jezebel or he sent so-and-so. You know, he's a liar. The, you know, pastor, pray for me later. No, 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 no. The death of your purity started when you dropped standards. When you're on the phone slightly longer than you need to be, when, when, when you no longer had any boundaries and you, you, you begin to what, brick by brick remove the boundaries and all of a sudden you found yourself in a position like, how did I end up here? It's not her fault. It's not his fault. People who don't have Jesus are going to do what people don't have Jesus do. You with all of the Jesus that you have, it wasn't their fault. It's the lack of boundaries. Not realizing, no, 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 no. I, 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 there's certain things that I don't do. There's certain places I won't go. There's certain things I won't say. There's certain text messages. I, I, I'm, 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 that's just not me. And I'm going to end with this one. The death of your relationship with God didn't start when you walked out of church. It started months down the line when you stopped praying. If God was able to speak to you, he would say, the day you stopped praying, in dying you shall surely die. The day that you stopped speaking to me and spending time with me and reading my word, it was only a matter of time 
for that death to manifest itself. Uh, and you know, we, 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 we do all kinds of things where we blame other things. Well, uh, the reason why I did this is because of so-and-so. The reason why I did this is because of the way I was raised. The reason, but God says, no, 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 no. It's, 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 it's the day that you decided to stop spending time with me. That's when your relationship with God died. But you know what happens with like with the rose? It still looks like it's functioning. It still smells good. It only takes a while before the death catches up with the status. So I want to ask you a question. What still looks good in your life today, but is slowly dying? We spoke about Samson, a man with great potential. I think he judged Israel for crazy amount of years. I think of 30 years or something like that, if I can remember. Uh, killed a thousand men with a jawbone of a donkey. And uh, a lot of people believe that he, he wasn't, uh, you know, when you see pictures of Samson in, in children's books, he's big and strong. And so, uh, you know, so, so if the Philistines saw him, they wouldn't ask, well, where does he get his strength from? Because they would look, he's big and strong. He gets his strength from the gym. It's quite clear that he's going outside and lifting up rocks and boulders. But, but he must have looked just like any one of us. So that's why, like, what is going on? It didn't make any sense. Anyway, just to throw away a thought. And so he, he's, 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 God is using him powerfully, but, 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 but Samson had an issue with women and breaking his Nazarene vows. He ends up on the lap of D- Delilah, Delilah, D- 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 uh, yeah, here. He ends up on her lap and, and she seduces him. She's not interested in a, in a relationship. She's interested in, in supporting her own people. One of the saddest verses in the Bible, in my opinion, is this one right here. If you go to the next one. The Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before, as other times, shake myself free. So all the while he's messing around with, 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 with one woman after the other, what was he doing? He was going out as before and he was shaking himself free. But he did not know. How tragic is that, that the presence of God departed and he didn't even sense it. He didn't even know. Service was exactly the same as previous, exactly the same as the one before that. Everything was functioning normally, the home, but he just didn't know this. The decisions I've made, my hair has been cut off. The day that his hair was cut off, he didn't know that the Lord had departed from him. Everything felt the same. And you know what happened? It was now harder to fight the enemy. What was easy before now becomes hard. You, you used to be able to fight the devil, fight the enemy, fight, 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 fight. But now it's a lot harder because you don't have your strength that God supplied you. They plucked out his eyes, so now he can't see where he had vision. It's now harder to see. He can't see like how he used to. Have you met people before who left God, and now the very simple truth that they believed before, they can't see it? I was so shocked. There was a a young man that used to come to our church uh, when I first took over for years. I mean, he even preached, and I went to see him. uh, I had a conversation with him, and he was talking some whole heap of other stuff. I'm like, what in the world is this? How did you end up believing this stuff from where you were before? He just doesn't see anymore. And then on top of that, Samson was made to work for the enemy. You know the story, they made him grind uh, wheat or or do a meal for him. So now he's gone from fighting the enemy to actually working for the enemy. The hands that God was going to use to bring down the kingdom of the enemy, now they're being used to build up the kingdom of the enemy. 
the death of a rose. Here's the hope. The opposite truth is also true. Maybe you're sitting here and you're realizing, you know what? I haven't prayed for a while. Everything feels great. But it's only a matter of time and I'm starting to realize that God is warning me. Maybe there's relationships that are dying, there's situations that are dying, there's there's opportunities that are dying and you're tracing it back to certain key moments uh, in marriage, certain key moments in in, in raising your kid or being a a teenager, certain key moments about purity. And you know, I can trace it all back to, but but God is, so what do I do now? Here's the hope, here's the redemption. The opposite is also true. So let's go back to Saul and David. Look at what the Bible says. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul since I've rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I provided myself a king among his sons. So he speaks to Saul, I've rejected you from being king this day. Then he goes and he anoints David, you're going to be king now. And God just lets it go. Now imagine being around 15 years old and being anointed as king. And you're like, okay, I'm king now and nothing happens your dad say David man go back to the sheep okay dad and then you fight Goliath and you say okay now I'm going to be made king but then you are made to fight other wars made to play music for a demonized king and now you're on the run it was 15 years before what God said he was became the reality the opposite is also true so now the, the, the question is, what has God spoken to you that you still don't see it? You've almost gave up and God says, no, 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 give it a bit more time. Because David had to go through some things. His character needed to be developed. He had to grow, uh, grow uh, from being a young boy into a man. He had to learn how to lead. He had to learn how to fight. He had to learn how to control himself. And God was molding him and shaping him. Why? Because he had to prepare him for one of the greatest jobs. This is why David is called one of the greatest king Israel has ever had. Because there was something about that young man. But the promise and the fulfillment of the promise was separated by a good amount of time. It's like Joseph praying uh, to having this dream that the, st- the sun and the moon will bow down to him. And he said, you know what, uh, my parents are going to bow down to me one day. And it was years before that happened. This is where grafting comes in. I'm going to show you a video later on, but not now. But... Uh, 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 just give you a quick uh, if you take a branch that's broken off of another tree you can graft it into a vine or another or, or, or the, the, the into another tree and you wrap that thing up and then it buds so the 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 the, 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 the branch looks dead nothing can ever come with it it's, it's detached you know like the rose has been detached it looks dead and so what we do is we graft it into another tree wrap it up and then over time give it about nine months and then you start to see fruit so that means whatever is dead in your life if you plug it back into the source of life it will produce fruit again your marriage can have fruit again your relationships can have fruit again your children can have fruit again your spiritual walk can have fruit again you don't have to throw it all away and say well i've blown it well i'm just like Saul. i'm just going to wait for this thing to play out no 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 jesus came to set the captives free jesus came to turn everything on its head jesus came to make you and i realize though it was dead in our lives there is something that you and i can do we can turn it on our head on, on its head when we are grafted back in look at what the bible says 
But if some of the branches were broken off, talking about the Jewish nation, and you, although a wild olive shoot, Gentiles were not part of the, the, uh, the, the, the olive vine, whatever you want to call it, were grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree. Jesus is the olive tree and he nourishes us. He says, you guys were, were, were cut off just like some of the Jews were cut off for, for their unbelief, but you were grafted in, grafted in. This is why you have to encourage new converts. You know, your friends come to church and they give their life to Christ and after two months, it's like, I don't feel anything's changed. I still feel like I'm exactly the same. I come to church and, you know, everyone else is holding up their hands. I don't get it. I don't feel it. What, what is it that you're doing? Just encourage them. Give it some time. You've been grafted in. You're not going to produce fruit straight away. Give it some time and you will see the fruit. And, and, and it's, it's, it's wonderful because it works the opposite. Maybe you just started praying for your marriage and, and praying how you, uh, you, how you treat your spouse, but nothing is happening. I want to encourage you through the word of God, fruit is coming. Maybe you just started devotions and prayer. So you don't want to get serious for God. But the first few days, you're still struggling. You still don't feel like praying. Keep going and keep believing because fruit is coming. And you can go on and on and on in every situation of life. Maybe like me, you've been given a health scare or, or there's a situation about your, your health. You can start today. You're like, oh man, I was planning to go to, uh, to KFC afterwards. I'm going to have to have a salad now. And have a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can start today. God is a redemptive God. I want to show you the video of grafting because there's something I want you to see that I don't think words can really portray. And we're going to close with this. If you can put it up. So what he's doing, he's taking off all of the branches that he doesn't need. Right? So it kind of goes back to that Romans text when he says, you know, some of the branches were taken off. It's very interesting. He then takes a knife and he cuts into it. But I want you to see the shape that he cuts into it. sideways and down what does that make then he takes he cuts into it and then the branch that he wants to graft in there he then slides it into that right in the middle of the cross that he's made and then take uh, uh, I'm not sure what they call that and wrap it around so that no air goes in there you want to make sure to keep it as, 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 as moist as possible and then you leave it and then lo and behold a few months later it buds it's an amazing little process now I, I saw a number of these videos not all of them are done with a cross some of them are done in many in different ways but but the point I wanted to make is this in order for you and I to be grafted in the vine had to be cut In order for us to receive all the benefits that God had has for us, Jesus had to be cut first. He had to be put onto the cross. He had to suffer tremendously. And, and, and what's our part? Our part is not to try our best to be the best Christians we can be. Our part is to remain in the branch. How can I produce fruit in my life? I need to remain in the branch. I, imagine if that branch had, had, had a will of its own and every Sunday it, it went in there, but then Monday to Saturday, it's like, yeah, this is not for me. <laughs> I, I, I want to tell you now, it would not produce any fruit. 
Do you know why they wrap that thing around it? You know, in some, in some places they even put wax and soil to really seal that in because you have to remain. You have to stay. You have to be right where Jesus is and stay where Jesus is. Don't go off anywhere else. And Jesus says, if you do that, you will produce fruit. I feel sorry for every Christian who's trying to live this Christian life in their own strength. A branch all by itself trying to produce fruit not attached to anything, getting frustrated, uh, wanting to throw in the towel, this doesn't work. It doesn't work because you're not connected to Christ. Last verse, John 15, verse 1 to 5. I am the, this is Jesus speaking, the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they'll produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce fruit. And then he says something that can come off almost offensive can't do nothing without me (laughs) but it's true we can't preach without him we can't have church without him we can't worship without him we can't praise without him we can't read his word without him we can't be pure in an unpure world without him we can't do anything without him we have to remain in him abide that word abide means to continue to stay to remain and over time you will produce fruit maybe you're here today and you are struggling with your walk because years down the line, months down the line, weeks down the line, a few days ago, you started a death process. And God says, I know things are functioning right now. No one knows what you've done. But like the prodigal son, like Samson, like Saul, like Adam. And God's redemptive nature is come back. Come back to the vine. Let's bow our heads, every head bowed, every eye closed. We're going to pray together. Let's praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Every person here was struggling with sin and temptation. I wrote this on my WhatsApp status. It was a revelation that God gave me. You don't have a sin problem. God loves you. You don't have an addiction problem. You don't have a depression problem. You don't have a a, a mental health problem. The problem that you have is a lack of abiding. That's the real issue. If you fix that, everything else will start to fall into place. And God is calling us back to simple prayer, simple worship abiding remaining remaining if you're here today and you're not saved you're not born again you want to give your life to christ i want to pray with you 